0: Hi everyone, and welcome to our podcast, In Good Company. I'm Nikola Tangen, the CEO of the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund. In this podcast, we talk to interesting leaders of some of the largest and most impressive companies in the world, so that you can learn what we own and also meet these impressive leaders. Today, I have Albert Bene, one of my very favorite people, visiting me in Oslo. He is chairman of Gebrit and Lonza, two large global Swiss companies. We own over 2% of both companies, translating into 18 billion kroner or 2 billion US dollars. So tune in, I think you'll love it. Today is a really, really special day, because I have Albert Berni visiting Oslo from Switzerland. And Albert, he was the first person I rang when I got the job in the fund to ask him how do I approach a new job like this? What do I do? And what is it that I shouldn't do? Because he is one of the most impressive and knowledgeable CEOs I have ever met. And in the meantime, he's moved on to become chairman of two of the finest Swiss companies, Gabrit and
1: Lonza. So Albert, very welcome to Oslo. Nikolai, thank you very much for inviting me. It's a great pleasure to see you again after almost two years of uh, physical absence of you. And on top of that, I'm um, extremely happy for you for what you are doing uh, in this fantastic, gorgeous company. Thank you. So um, Albert, when I rang
0: you, I told you that I had just gotten a new job and uh, I was just wondering how to approach it. And you gave me some fantastic advice and I have followed every single bit of it. It started by you telling me, Nikolai, the first thing you need to do is to sit down and talk to as many people in the company as you can. Why is that important?
1: It's very important because uh, you have to realize that uh, the whole company wants to know you, they want to feel you, and they want to understand you, and you can't avoid talking to the whole organization. Too many people make the big mistake of starting at the top, staying at the top, and ignoring the rest of our organization. So they must get a feeling about you. You must be able to inspire them. You have to build the trust, and the only way to achieve that is to meet these people, to ask questions first. And only once you have understood the culture of the company, the organizational setup, the challenges, the opportunities, you can give the first directions, but not mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm.
0: Then you also said I should not hire anybody from outside the company in the first year.
1: This is for me very important. If you start hiring people out of the company, what are the messages you give to the organization? You are not good enough, number one, and I don't trust you. And this is wrong signals. You start developing and using your own resources you have access to and if you need over time to start hiring external people do it but not at the beginning big mistake Hmm. you will be isolating yourself from the rest of the organization and again the two messages you're not good enough and they don't trust you it's very bad Hmm. you
0: also introduced um, a concept to me uh, called uh, which i think you called uh, corporate immune system what is that
1: (laughs) yeah I, i moved quite often in my career and I realized that uh, when in these transition phases, moving from one job to the other, from a company to another company, if you behave wrongly at the beginning, you will have a reaction. The so-called organizational immune immune system. The people will be protecting themselves from you. And if you are too aggressive, you will be labeled as dangerous. And then you lust. You have no chance to recover from this first impression you gave to the organization. So never forget that a system is, is not a system defense as well, if a newcomer is too aggressive and is labeled too dangerous. So it's why never start too aggressively, too fast, don't take too, de- too many decisions at the beginning, be very selective and look and listen to the people. Why is it important to do only do a few things? Because uh, the organization that is not expecting you to, to make a, re- a revolution, they are expecting from you a transformation, a further development, an improvement, but not a revolution. And if you do too many changes at the same time, you give also the impression to the organization, you did everything wrong so far, which is bad. Mm-hmm. I mean. When you start a new organization, you should start first by saying what you find is good, what is positive, what they have been achieving. And only then you start saying, we have also problems. There are issues. There are room for improvement. But don't start with that. Start with the good good news. Mm. What about speed? Balance. <laughs> it's, uh, it depends on the situations. Mm. If, uh, if you are facing a restructural need, if you are facing a very good company, uh, we need some transformations. Speed is always, always important, but you have to select the speed depending on the situation, the customers of the company you are, you are in. Mm. I
0: think you said, um, you told me then, that um, the, the CEOs who fail are the people
1: who try to do too much too quickly. This is correct, uh, and it is a big mistake. You have to learn first, you have to ask questions first, then you have to make the the synthesis and uh, develop your your own direction and your own transformation. But to enter into a new job, new company, and saying, I know everything better than you, and you are basically rushing into the decisions, is is wrong.
0: Moving on to uh, your companies. You are now uh, the chairperson of both, Gabarit and Lonza. And we'll, um, we'll kick off with Gabarit, which is the
1: European leader in toilets and bathroom products. So, um, what's a good toilet? It's a good bathroom because we are supplying not only one product, we are supplying a system for the bathroom. People underestimate that the bathroom and the water, the water system in the house is the blood system of the house, so it's mm. very important. Secondly, a bathroom is becoming more and more a wellness area. Mm. So the importance of the bathroom is increasing. And I remember one day one person telling me, "Why are you leaving my beautiful company? This is Vakarchemi, and you join a sheet business?" <laughs> uh, I was laughing because uh, at that time I was already aware about the PNL of, of Gabar, the balance sheet, and uh, from a sheet business, we are delivering fantastic value to our customers mm-hmm. and also to our shareholders. And what's the key to sell your products? I think you are applying a, a push and, and pull strategy. We have a fantastic business model, which is working extremely well, very simple. We are selling exclusively to the wholesalers, dedicated wholesalers, Mm. who are reselling to the plumbers, and finally the plumbers is reselling our system, our products to you, and install them into your house. In this process, we are dealing with only a few direct customers, the wholesalers, who are dealing on their side with thousands of plumbers with daily deliveries, even twice a day deliveries of our products. So we are avoiding this capillary redistribution, and we focus on the development, the marketing of these products. We push them into the wholesalers, but we train thousands of plumbers every year to our brand. Mm. And if a plumber goes to wholesaler A, B, or C, doesn't matter for us as long as he's ordering the gabarit brand. So mm. we train, we brainwash to some extent the plumbers to our brand. And the key here
0: is to get them to use your product because it's easier to install, but yet they don't pay, right? Because it's the client who pays.
1: They don't pay it because at the end you will pay everything. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that select the right products, the quality, the ease of installation, and also the support they are re- receiving from our organization when they have a technical problem on a construction site. Do other companies train plumbers in the same way? Not to the extent we do it. Uh, we are training, I suspect, around forty to fifty thousand plumbers a year. So oh, in wow. every market, we have training centers. We invite them on a daily basis, and our training sessions are are full. You can only have access to these plumbers if your training is quality, and if they are talking to each other and saying, "You have to go to this training at Gabaret, You learn a lot." Mm.
0: No, you started with, um, with behind the wall systems and, and then you added the kind of the
1: toilet porcelain to the business mix later. Why, why was that? First of all, I remember very well, I pissed off the shareholders because during 10 years I said to the shareholders, We will never enter the ceramic business. And after 10 years, we did what we always said we will never do. In between, we realized that uh, this combination of ceramic and behind the wall is the best combination for innovation. Mm. So we're combining the know-how behind the wall with the ceramic business, and we can accelerate and uh, be even more innovative. Secondly, we're creating a kind of fortress, combining the best brand, Geberit, behind the world with the largest brand, Sanitech, in front of the wall. And this combination is not replicable. You can mm. combine every, everyone with everyone you want in Europe. You can replicate it. So we are the strongest position in the market with mm. this combination. Mm. You're also one of the leaders in shower toilets. Why are they so good? They are so good, first of all, because uh, we have the technology since many, many years. We own the, uh, the, the IP rights. And uh, we apply to the shower toilet the same principle as uh, in all of products, quality first. And uh, we test and test and test before we introduce a uh, product into the market. So, quality first. And uh, this is what we have been doing with Charotolette as well.
0: Mm. Moving on to Lonza, the other company where you are the
1: um, the chairperson.
0: Tell, tell, tell us, uh, it's, a, it's a complicated uh, company to understand. Just
1: uh, in simple terms, what does it do? The company is helping the pharmaceutical industry, including startups and large pharmaceutical companies, to produce their drug substance and their medicines. This is the basic principle. We are a partner from the development of a medicine to the final step of a medicine, which means the commercial production. We are the facilitator, the manufacturing facilitator for these companies. So some of the companies you work with would be? Would be the large pharmaceutical company. Uh, You have it in Basel with Novartis, uh, with Roche, Pfizer, with Johnson & Johnson, uh, with Sanofi, and with hundreds of small startups around the world. And so the pandemic was good for Lonza? The pandemic was remarkable for Lonza. Not necessarily from a point of view of business and margin, but... We developed together with Moderna one of the first vaccines against the pandemic, Mm. and uh, we did it within six months, which was Mm. a revolution in the pharmaceutical industry, and we gained visibility. So the visibility we gained was very important, and the second most important factor was the proudness of our organization. Mm. We were the first to produce um, um, a vaccine to help the society. Mm.
0: Well, we put in a little plug here. Uh, You may want to go back and look at the episode we did with the CEO of Moderna, uh, really, really uh, impressive. <music> Moving um, um, tack here a bit, um, what, what is the most important
1: role of a chairperson? The chairperson is often viewed as being the controller, and I disagree. The main role of a chairman for me is inspiring the organization, inspiring the executive committee, but also inspiring the rest of the organization. This is the key role. Looking forward bringing ideas, asking the right questions, motivating the people, and when needed, going into the details, scratching the organization. But the main role, again, is to be a true leader, giving the direction, delegating the uh, strategy to the executive committee, trusting the people, and making sure that the whole organization is aligned and there are no politics in the organization. Mm.
0: There was an article in the Harvard Business Review which said that uh, the key to being a good chairperson is to remember that you are not the CEO. Now you have been the CEO before <laughs> at Gavrit, so how does that work?
1: No, you have, you have to realize and respect the respective roles. My role is not execution. My role is not the daily business. My role is to help, to support, to guide, uh, and uh, this is how I see uh, the, the main role of, of a chairman. But you must be visible as well, and you must understand the business. So you have to spend time with the organization. But not decide for the organization on or the daily business, but decide with the executive committee on the long-term path of the business. Do you think it's an advantage to
0: have been the CEO before? Definitively. And you don't think the new one feels that you're just kind of
1: hanging in there and don't want to give up and so on? What when I, left, when I left the CEO role at Geberit, everybody said the CEO, the new CEO will have a tough job. It will be very difficult because Albert will be in the business every day. I did the following. During four months, I didn't show up at the headquarters. And I decided no office in the headquarters, no parking slot, no key, no badges, nothing. I disappeared for four months. And then they realized no, the new, the new boss, the new CEO is not Albert. Mm. I, the signals sometimes are more important than words and documents. So I wanted to give the signal I am the chairman now, so I don't need to be every day in the office. And I did for four months. Mm. And it was clear. One of the most important jobs of a chairperson is to pick the CEO. Now, what do you look for in a good CEO? Integrity, honesty, transparency, courage, no I. He's working for the company and not for himself. So humility, team building, transparency in the communication. And uh, I said it before, so you need some courage. You have to take decisions. Are these people difficult to find? Yes, they are. Where do you find them? You have to develop them. (laughs) How do you do that? I think it's very important that uh, uh, somebody from the organization should become the next CEO. So you have to develop them. I try to hire talents. In the second step, the talents normally are arrogant people and they are lazy. They believe they know everything. So I put these talents into a new job, uncomfortable job. This is the second step. The third step, I put these people in a very demanding job where they have to take decisions without having all the information, they don't have the time to analyze everything. And finally, if they have been able to move up the scale from the talent to the student to the barrier, they become a leader. Mm. And then they make a selection. How long time does that type of process take? Five straight? to six, six years. Five to seven, six, oh wow. Um,
0: in the fund, we have a stance uh, that um, the chairperson and the CEO should not be the same. What is your view on
1: that? I've been during a few years chairman and CEO. I've been heavily criticized, but at the end of this three or four years phase, most of the shareholders, including the analysts and the proxy, said, "Albert, Mister Benny, well done. You did not abuse. You did not overdo it, and you the the company benefited from this dual role." But it on, depends but on, more, on the person. But on a
0: more philosophical
1: level, do no, you, do you, you agree
0: with them? No,
1: um, I agree. It should be it should be separated. Mm. But there are situations apart from, apart from, from you. <laughs> no, <laughs> Nikolai, I think uh, it depends on the persons. Yeah. You you have person who tend maybe to abuse of this dual role. I would mm. never abused. First of all, Nikolai, the salary stayed the same. I had no salary increase because I became chairman in at the same time. I refused, mm. by the way. The board was willing to give me some more money and I refused and no, this is my job. Mm. So no ad- additional salary. It depends, Nicolai, from the circumstances. What's the best way for shareholders to engage with companies, Mm -hmm. you think? They have to talk to the people, to the executive committee. They have to meet the executive committee. They have to visit manufacturing sites. They have to visit uh, R&D labs. They have to get a flair of the company, not only to understand the technicalities of the company, but to get a flair, which means talking to people, visiting the sites around the world and also... R&D Labs and so on. Mm. Be interested in the company.
0: Moving on to to Switzerland, where you are based and where your two companies are based as well. What does it mean to be Swiss?
1: To some extent and without arrogance, Nicola, it means to be a little bit privileged. We have stability in the the country. We have excellent companies. We have good jobs. We have excellent salaries. Uh, And uh, we have a... stable political system. So we are privileged. At the same time, it means we have a certain responsibility because we have to share with the rest of the world part of our wealth. And this has been the tradition of Switzerland as well with the International Red Cross. Mm. So we have this responsibility. And uh, the next one, I would say, when you are Swiss in the industry, one of your main objective is to stay ahead of the competition, to stay very innovative. But why, why are there so many great companies in Switzerland? because we have no local market. The local market is so small, we all have to export, we have to discover the world, we have to bring our product to the world, so we have to to adapt, to be humble, and to learn. I think the main thing maybe in Switzerland, you have to learn every day to become a worldwide citizen and a worldwide company. Mm. And how do you see that in Swiss business culture? You see it in the uh, flexibility, in the openness, in the transparency, in the humility, we realize that we are so small that uh, we need the rest of the world. And in the way we communicate, uh, we, we have to be uh, flexible. We have to be agile to be able to serve uh, North Africa as well as, uh, as, as uh, Singapore and uh, Thailand. Mm. Flexibility and openness and learning and learning and learning. Yeah.
0: Moving on to the topic of corporate culture, which is um, something I'm very interested in.
1: Um, what characterizes good corporate culture to you? A culture is a set of values shared by the whole organization. Mm. And once you achieve that, you have a complete alignment of the organization uh, together. So uh, the culture for me is the most successful criteria to be a good company. And uh, I am convinced that at Geberit, we have a fantastic culture with no internal politics. Everybody knows what the values are and they are respected. And we are all aligned toward the direction, the goal, the objectives of the organization. And this is because of the culture. Do Lonza and Geberit have the same culture? Geberit is a very strong culture, which is established. Lonza is in the process, on the journey to create, to, to have access to this kind of culture as well. And how, w- how do you create it? First of all, you can't buy it. You are said it. You have to create it. Yeah. You, have to, you have to create it from the top. You need ambassadors in the organization, and you must be the role model. The top of the organization must be the role model, and with no exceptions. Hmm. So what specifically do you do then? I do the same as uh, the employees. For example, at, at, at uh, Geberit in 2008, we introduced uh, the fact that we travel all economy, including overseas. I remember I was in Shanghai, and I met two employees from Geberit, and they said, oh, Albert, the big bus will be in business class. <laughs> Where did I sit? Close to the toilets in the economy. If you do it, you don't need to talk about the culture. People talk about that, the bus." Respect the rules. It's not only for us; it's also for him. You must be the best example. What are some other examples? Talking to the people, being transparent, recognizing mistakes, mm. considering everybody at the same level. I know the the name of uh, the people uh, cleaning my my office in the evening. I know the date, birth of date of the lady. I bring flowers, and the people talk about that. I treat everybody the same. I am nice to see everybody, but they're so. I know when I should stop being too nice as well. It's important. When is that? When people are not respecting the rules, mm. when uh, the motivation is lag- lagging, where uh, I don't get the transparency, uh, and when uh, people start playing with the truth, then it's time to be differently, mm. to be different.
0: I've um um I heard a presentation of you once where you said that you look for champions when you are evaluating people. What is what is a champion?
1: A champion is a talent. Which with an above-average quality, and if you if you can hire these talents and these champions, you immediately increase the average of your organization. It could be in sales, it could be in research, it could be in finance, uh, and these people are elevating the quality, uh, scaling scaling up the quality of the organization, is why looking at the talent. And a talent is, moti- is a motivator. Mm-hmm. A talent is courage. A talent is going looking ahead. Is is never tired is a good example for the rest of the organization.
0: Is that where your mountain climbing
1: comes in? You are a mountaineer, right? I think it brings me a lot. First of all, the direction. You have to select where do I go next weekend. Do I go to the Alps? Do I go to the Dolomites? Do I go to the Himalayas? Secondly, preparation. If I want to go to the Himalayas, I need different preparation than going to the Alps. Then it is a question of responsibility because we are a team of maybe two or four but you feel responsible for the others, mm-hmm. and you take the responsibility if there is, if there is an, an accident. And this is this constant learning. If you have been able to make that north face, next one will be a more, bit more difficult. So you are always looking for a new improvement, a new development, and next steps. What have you taken from mountaineering to business? The direction, the responsibility, the intensity, the courage, And no panic. I've been facing many difficult situations. If you start panicking, you are out. So I learned to stay calm in very difficult situation environment. What are the most dangerous situations you've seen? The most difficult situation is when the weather is suddenly changing rapidly. Mm. You are facing a storm. You are badly equipped because you thought of a quick and a fast climb. And then you face a storm. So you have to biwap without having the equipment. Uh, and again here, if you don't stay calm, you may die. Uh, because what I said to myself was, oh, shit, sorry, it will be a cold night, but I'm not going to die. But other people will say, I'm going to die. And Martin was to say, it will be a cold night, very uncomfortable, but I will survive. So again, this is the attitude at the end. Your, your mental attitude in face of the situation. Mm-hmm. So this was a difficult situation. It was in the source face of the Montblanc. So what is, can we read something here about your attitude to risk? You must be courageous, you must take risks in business as well. But you must have a team with you. You don't go on your own, you have to motivate the team. You have to have an, 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 a group of people sharing this ambition, sharing the potential risks, and then uh, you go together on on this on these key objectives. But you have to you have to take some risks from time to time.
0: You talked about um, storm. Are we about to enter an economic storm now? Are we in a storm? We are in a
1: storm. We have a basket of significant challenges and, and, uh, and concerns, and we all, know, we all know them. It's a combination of inflation, a pandemic still not yet resolved. We have a war. We have interest rates going up, and we have not resolved at all our, the health of our planet Earth, climate. So it's a, it's a storm in the same basket. And how do you think it's going to pan out? I don't know, Nikolai, I have no clue, I suspect we can handle the inflation, uh, I suspect we can handle the energy over time, but I have no clue how, what will be the further implication of the war in, in, in Ukraine, I don't know. Mm. And on the climate, I mean, we are doing just too little, I mean, it's uh, last minute and yeah. we do very little. So what's the key to good leadership in this environment? I think a remarkable leader does a few things extremely well. First of all, is clear the direction. Why should I follow you, Nikolai, if you don't know your direction? If you change the direction every quarter, I will not follow you. Direction is key and must be crystal clear. It is not the Himalayas. It is the K2, and this is the Italian route. Secondly, you have to build up a team around this direction. Motivate the team, trust the team, delegate the key task to this team. Then you must be a role model. People are observing you. If you are the leader, they will observe you. You have to take care of your people. Taking care of your people means helping when they have problems, when they are in difficulties. And I have to take care of myself. A leader must be fit, a leader must be engaged, a leader must be inspiring. So I must help the others, but I have to help myself as well and to protect myself. This is how we define a leader. Do you think there is too little love in companies? Ah, oh, we are missing leaders. We are missing leaders in the business. We are missing leaders in the politics. We are missing leaders in the society, clearly, yeah. Mm. Now, you um, lead two companies in two
0: very different industries. Can you use the same leadership principles? Absolutely.
1: Same. And can, you, can, you lead, I...
0: can you lead anything?
1: <laughs> good question. It's a good question. I suspect I could lead a lot, yes, but if it is everything, I don't know. But by the way, Nikolai, the basic principles of leadership don't change. They were the same 200 years ago, 300 years ago. We make it complicated. We talk about leadership during COVID, leadership after COVID, uh, leadership during the, the war. Bullshit. Sorry, Nikolai. The leaderships principles are the same. This direction, this courage, this inspiration, this delegation, this trust, and, and, and sh- taking care of the people, sharing. When you look at uh, leaders globally, who do you admire? Today? Yeah. I don't think I have a spontaneous name in my mind, to mm. be honest, Nicolai. It may be unfair. It sounds... And arrogant. what about historically, when you look at historic figures? There is one name for one specific reason, Eisenhower. Mm. If you recall, and this is one lesson from my father, he told me one day, in March 1940, during the Second World War, Eisenhower was together with his commanding uh, general. And the topic on the agenda was only one, how to beat the Nazis. No team, no committees, no help. on On a piece of paper, he said three things. We protect these countries, we attack Japan, and we defeat the Germans in France. And they said to the general, no, this is your task. This is leadership. Clarity, direction, simplicity, everybody understood it. This is clear leadership. And I think we are missing today this clarity, this courage, this simplicity. Mm. In a very complex environment. Three action points in the, during the Second World War. Mm. Most complex environment. Fantastic. This is leadership. Have you become a better leader with age? Yes, because I learned a lot, I make big mistakes, and if I'm, and I'm reflecting, if I don't reflect about my mistakes and my success as well, I don't improve, but I think this is what we should be doing, from time to time reflecting about that. So yes, I suspect I'm becoming a better leader. Mm. What are the mistakes you made? Impatient, <laughs> deciding too fast, <laughs> mm. uh, not delegating enough, uh, believing that uh, I should do it myself and not trusting the others. I think this is the main, main mistakes I made. Mm. Too fast, lack of trust, and lack of delegation. A few more um, personal things, Albert. What do you read? I read all kinds of books, less and less business books. I like to read biographies, and I like to to read books uh, about adventures. And what kind of biographies do you like? All kinds of biographies, successful people. Mm. Could be in music, in the politics, in sports, in the business. Uh, in arts, all kind of biographies. I learned, I learned how to become a better leader, how to become a better manager, how to be successful, how to become at the top. Mm. So I, I, I love biographies. Do you meditate? Not a lot. <laughs> 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 I reflect, Nicolai. If, if this is not the same, I know. But I certainly spend at least two or three hours a week reflecting about the week. What went well and why? What went wrong and why? My own reflection. And I have every week a one-page note about my reflection. Wow. I write it. Wow. So I don't to. When, do do, when do you do it? During the week? Oh, the re- weekends, of course. Normally on s- Sunday late afternoon, I take one hour for me, two hours, and I reflect. Wow. This is my discipline. Every week. What do you learn from it? To be concise, to be honest, to find the right words. And to be humble, to recognize the mistakes. But what didn't went, didn't go well. Yeah. And I share that with my with my dear colleagues from time to time. Lessons learned, I share it. Interesting. Not to be an arrogant, but to facilitate the discussion and hopefully to help them. I don't want to be arrogant. I want to help, to share. Interesting.
0: Now we have um, many thousand students and young professionals listening to this podcast. So, what advice would you give them?
1: Learn from the best. Be courageous, leave your comfort zone as often as necessary, not as often as possible, but as often as necessary. When you are reaching a crossroad, don't follow, don't follow the same direction all the time. Take the right, the right direction and the crossroads. Again, to learn, to just learn something, to do something different and to develop yourself. And learning and learning and learning from the others is key. And be humble. If you are not humble, you will not learn. So, humility and learn from the best and leave your comfort zone as often as necessary. Well, thank you
0: um, for coming to Oslo, um, Albert. And we're certainly learning from the best here. And uh, I so look forward to continuing this discussion
1: over dinner. Thank you very much for the invitation, Nikolai. Uh, and uh, I'm also looking forward to a nice dinner with you and further conversation. Thank you thank very you. much. Thank you.